If you love chilling mysteries, unsolved cases, and a touch of mom-style humor, Moms and Mysteries is the podcast you've been searching for. Hey guys, I'm Mandy. And I'm Melissa. Join us every Tuesday for Moms and Mysteries, your gateway to gripping, well-researched true crime stories. Each week, we deep dive into a variety of mind-boggling cases as we shed light on everything from heists to whodunits. We're your go-to podcast for mysteries with a motherly touch. Subscribe now to Moms and Mysteries wherever you get your podcast. If you love chilling mysteries, unsolved cases, and a touch of mom-style humor, Moms and Mysteries is the podcast you've been searching for. Hey guys, I'm Mandy. And I'm Melissa. Join us every Tuesday for Moms and Mysteries, your gateway to gripping, well-researched true crime stories. Each week, we deep dive into a variety of mind-boggling cases as we shed light on everything from heists to whodunits. We're your go-to podcast for mysteries with a motherly touch. Subscribe now to Moms and Mysteries wherever you get your podcast. A very good night last night for MAGA candidates, for America First candidates, for President Trump. He still knows how to pick him. And uh, yeah, this, the winning streak continues all over the country. And you know what? We've never had a former president and probably future president of the United States like this. All right. Out there campaigning, sticking his neck out, expending political capital for others, for others who are committed to his Make America Great Again agenda for America First. Former presidents don't do that. What do they do? They, well, they try to make money. They write their memoirs. They call it a career. Uh, who's our last one-term president uh, before? George H.W. Bush. There he is. I mean, when he left office, he was beaten beaten bad. He just went up to Maine and hung around, and I guess he wrote a book, but nice man, totally nice, but he wasn't out there campaigning, trying to do anything for the country. It was, at that point, all about family, and I guess you're allowed to do that when you retire. What drives him crazy about Trump is he didn't retire. He's still fighting, and it looks like he's coming back. Hey, it looks like to me that Carrie Lake in Arizona is going to bring this home. She is not officially the winner yet. It is looking very, very good for this candidate who, um, if she does it, man, they're going to be angry. The mainstream media, the liberals, and, I mean, I'm sorry, the establishment Republicans, people like Mike Pence, Mitt Romney, the country club Republicans, they were all opposed to her. And it looks like she did it along with the people. Not official yet. And I'll have more to say about that in just a few moments. I am pleased to report that definitively Speaker of the Arizona House, Rusty Bowers, lost. Do you remember this guy? Um, the media, well, they fell in love with him because he played ball with the January 6th committee. More than play ball, he danced with them and they loved it. This whole hearing was really impactful and, and incredible, incredibly well done. And, you know, Rusty was this incredible witness. Rusty Bowers was one of those very brave people who spoke to the committee. Bowers' testimony was heartfelt and somber as he spoke about his sense of duty and his love of the democratic system. Okay, well, the fake news loves Rusty Bowers. And also, who loves Rusty Bowers? Rusty Bowers. Again, look, good people have reasonable, rational concerns about the fairness of the 2020 elections. This guy said no, and he didn't want to listen. 
didn't want to do anything, just went with the mainstream mob. You are asking me to do something that is counter to my oath when I swore to the Constitution to uphold it. As far as I was concerned, for someone to ask me in the, I would call it a paucity, there was no, no evidence being presented of any strength. I may, in the eyes of men, not hold correct opinions or act according to their vision or convictions. But I do not take this current situation in a light manner, a fearful manner, or a vengeful manner. I do not want to be a winner by cheating. I will not play with laws I swore allegiance to. All right, easy there, Pope Bowers. If you were such a great guy, you wouldn't be participating in the January 6th hearings. Sham hearings. Liz Cheney, uh, Kinzinger, the whole thing was rigged. You support democracy, then you should not have been at that hearing. No cross-examination, predetermined conclusions, teleprompter scripted questions. We all saw this was a show trial right out of the Soviet Union. And sir, let's review the voter boxes, the ballot boxes. <laughs> you can tell right there, it's definitely susceptible to fraud. Definitely susceptible. Look at that. Come tamper with me. You know, we don't do that when it comes to the mail, right? The mail. We have iron mailboxes, pretty sturdy, pretty secure. You can't see what's inside them. Hey, let's review real quick how the mail works, okay? You drop a letter in the box. You can't see what's in the box. Whatever that kid is mailing, that's his business. Then a little while later, the mailman picks it up. He's been doing it for decades, hundreds of years actually in America. Then they bring it to, well, where do they bring it next? Some big center. Oh, they put it on the truck. Then it goes to the center. Then it goes to another mailman, maybe a plane. And finally, 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 grandma gets it. All right. It's a beautiful thing. And even with that system, which is basically almost perfect, it's not perfect. There are at times huge problems with the Postal Service, which again has been around for hundreds of years. They have postal inspectors. These guys have guns. They don't screw around. This is serious stuff. Uh, they're ready for anything, these guys, because people commit crime through the ordinary mail all the time. Who saw the movie The Firm? It's now an old one. Can you believe it? Tom Cruise is freaked out by that Memphis law firm. And then he has an aha moment about the crime his own firm was committing. You know, this overbilling has gotten so common, nobody gives it another thought. It's kind of like tipping. Well, it's not policy, Mr. Mulholland. It sure seems like policy. It's been going on over there for years. People forget something else, too. When somebody over there put a stamp on this and mailed it, you know what happened? It became a federal offense. You're damn right. Each instance punishable by... $10,000 fine. Three to five years. Each instance. It happens. Mail fraud. It's a real crime. And uh, I think we have the statute somewhere. It's now they've upped the penalty. Uh, 20 years in prison, $250,000. So a couple of things, though. That's federal mail. What about state elections and those flimsy ballot 
drop boxes all over the place. Well, it wouldn't necessarily be a federal crime if you messed with it, for one. But just look at them. They are vulnerable. It stands to reason that these could be potentially manipulated. There's a potential for fraud. Even those who believe the election was perfect know that there is a potential for fraud. Now, the elite media, they have other things to do, right? Turn the page. Let's get over it. They were already embarrassed by the Russia hoax, by everything else. They wanted to get rid of Trump. That's why they're not pursuing these stories, and they are legitimate stories. Hey, Bill Barr, he was genuinely nervous during 2020 about what could happen with this, with these kinds of uh, endeavors. So far, we haven't seen widespread fraud. But so far, we haven't tried it. Well, and the point is that a lot of us. Did. Uh, there are several states that only have mail-in voting, including a Republican. Well, state this like is Utah. playing with fire. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. And if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government and people trying to change the rules to this to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. And the people are playing with fire. People trying to change the rules mid-contest. As a matter of logic, it is susceptible to fraud. As a matter of logic, it's logical. These questions, these concerns we have are logical. And if you listen closely to the fake news, they'll acknowledge it. They'll even say there was fraud. They say no widespread fraud, right? But it only takes a little. It doesn't have to be widespread. 40, 50,000 votes in key states if they went the other way. But again... The widespread thing they they fixate on. There's no widespread voter fraud. False and unverified claims about voter fraud in the 2020 election. That there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Continues to push baseless claims of voter fraud. No credible evidence whatsoever of vast voter fraud. So, you see, widespread, vast, doesn't have to be. Doesn't necessarily have to be. Back to Carrie Lake. It looks like she's on the verge of becoming the Republican nominee for governor in Arizona. It is not official. She is in the lead by, I believe, two points. They're still, I don't know. I don't know what the holdup is. Something tells me if it were the other way around, they may have called this race already. Let's see what happens. Carrie Lake. Oh, one of the reasons why I realized this is a real superstar When she said this, I know she was saying it right in front of President Trump, but I had the same feeling years ago that President Trump could be this type of president, the one she describes. Is this the greatest president we've ever known? Arizona loves you. And I predict at the end of 2028, when you leave office, second term, the whole country is going to love you. They're going to figure it out. Yeah, I do. I really had that feeling that his message would appeal to a lot more than half the country. And I think it will. And I actually think it already has. All right. Stay with us. Nancy Pelosi. We're still picking up uh, the pieces from her very ill-advised trip to Taiwan. Be right back. podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Well, Nancy Pelosi has totally freaked out the Chinese. They are furious. Was it really worth it for her to show up there for 12 hours, maybe sneak in some shoe shopping? I don't think so. I really don't. Now, she says that this is all sexist on the mainstream media's part. And come to think of it, maybe my shoe comment was, um, well, I stand by it. Anyway, what does she say about all this? They made a big fuss because I'm speaker, I guess. I don't know if that was a reason or an excuse because they didn't say anything when the men came. Well, we looked it up. Yes, the men did go to Taiwan a few months ago. Uh, Lindsey Graham, Bob Menendez, and a couple of others. And uh, they even got a government plane. But here's the thing. All of these men together, uh, they're not third in line to the presidency or second in line, actually. And you are, Nancy. It's a bigger deal. You. I know. I can't believe it. You probably can't believe it half the time. But there you are. And uh, a speaker who's not very good at speaking. Imagine the honor to get the NAACP NAACP centennial with the Palestinian government under the leadership of uh, of the people's Palestinian authority. Going as slow as the slowest ship are going so slowly. May he rest in peace. Careful, Nancy. Goodness gracious. All right. Well, this silly person has brought us closer to World War Three. I mean, there's not going to be World War Three, I think. Uh, but we're closer to it now than when Pelosi than last week before Pelosi's visit. And another big thing to be mad about here. Why does she get a jet? The Speaker of the House gets a jet plane. I don't think so. She's not the head of state. She does not rate her own plane. All right. Now to Missouri. And I am thrilled that the attorney general, Eric Schmidt, is now the Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate and not Eric Greitens. Uh, I'm sorry. He's got some talent, but, uh, well, he blew it. He blew it. He had to resign from the governorship. He uh, future was unlimited. But he had to resign in disgrace. Uh, Allegedly, he was doing, well, you can look it up. More recently, he put out this ad. I don't like rhinos, okay? Republicans in name only, and there are a lot of them out there, and they don't care about the issues. They care about status, this and that. But uh, I don't think they should be killed. Eric Greitens, Navy SEAL. And today, we're going rhino hunting. The rhino feeds on corruption and is marked by the stripes of cowardice. Join the MAGA crew, get a rhino hunting permit. There's no bagging limit, no tagging limit, and it doesn't expire until we save our country. Lighten up, Eric, and cool it with the Navy SEAL stuff. 
Maybe he can come back into politics in like 10 years. I think he needs some downtime. Uh, oh, this is bizarre about elections. Uh, I'm not talking about mail-in ballots and all the uh, drop boxes and all that stuff. But when we vote, okay, it's the summertime and we're having all these primaries. It's summertime. What do people do during the summer? The kids are on vacation. They go on vacation. Nobody is really focused on this stuff. But we have it in the summer. We didn't always. There's a big shift. Why is this happening? Actually, if you look back 2006, all of these states actually had the, the, these primaries in the fall. Another effort by people in power to choose their voters instead of the voters choosing the people they want to be in power. It's a sneaky little trick, and I don't like it. Ooh, sneaks? I don't know. He's been pretty much out in the open. Hunter Biden. Uh, what do we say about Hunter? I am amazed that the FBI has not moved on this. I am amazed that there is no independent counsel. And Joe Biden lied to America and he got the swamp to cover for him. Do you remember this? There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? You that's exactly it. what is this that's where exactly you're going? This is told. where he's going. The laptop right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia. I want to stay on the issue of race. He- Joe actually uh, wasn't kidding. All those people were backing him up. The five CIA heads, both parties, the swamp. They were covering for Joe, pretending that that laptop was Russia disinformation. They knew it wasn't. And now there can be no excuse. Even their beloved New York Times has verified the laptop as uh, hunters. Now, why were they so terrified of that, that laptop? They were remembered in 2016. Another laptop emerged. Remember Huma Abedin worked for Hillary Clinton and Anthony Weiner? Remember that story? Shockwaves through Hillary Clinton's campaign following a surprise letter Friday from FBI Director James Comey. Comey notifying members of Congress that the Bureau discovered emails that appear to be pertinent to the now-closed Clinton server investigation. Those emails found on a laptop belonging to Anthony Weiner, the husband of Clinton's longtime aide Huma Abedin. That was right before the election. I mean, Halloween, October of 2016. And a lot of Democrats, Hillary believes this story. This is why she lost. Now, I don't believe that's true, but they think this. And listen to James Comey, how bad he felt about the whole thing. Look, this was terrible. It makes me mildly nauseous to think that we might have had some impact on the election. All right. So he was sick, sick to his stomach that Trump won. And uh, so when that laptop emerged in 2020, you think they were just going to put it out there? No. The FBI, it looks like they they helped cover it up and they're still covering it up. And Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland, of all people, my goodness gracious, he's the one who's going to get to the bottom of it. Of course not. We need an independent counsel, a special prosecutor. This is exactly why you need those guys. And it's not happening. That's corruption. All right. Stay with us. Uh, Sean King, you've ever heard of him? He's a Black Lives Matter activist. And he just spent $40,000 of money that's not his on this dog (laughs) for his protection, he says. We'll be right back. 
conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. All I I can can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And this infuriates me, actually, about the fake news. They are not telling the story, nor will they, about Ashley Babbitt, the unarmed woman on Capitol Hill who was shot and killed by Lieutenant Michael Byrd without sufficient cause. This was an unjustified shooting. Any police department in the country will tell you that. She did not pose a threat. And you don't get shot for trespassing in America. It's not an instant death penalty, okay? 574 days without justice for Ashley. Just a reminder, and we'll be reminding folks every single night from time to time. There's news in this case. We'll be sure to bring it to you. But in the meantime, 574 days. All right. Now, what's up with drag queens? Uh, uh, I've met a few. Sometimes they're nice. Uh, but this whole, they're so emphatic about reading to kids in school. And it got me thinking, what's so special about drag queens? Now, maybe you saw this video that went viral. It came out this week, but I think it's from April. I mean, this is really sacrilegious. Some drag queen comes walking through a church and the kids are going wild. Take a good look, though, at what this individual is doing as they walk. What they're doing primarily is not showing a lick of talent. Zero talent. It's all attitude. What is the deal with these folks? What's so fabulous about this? It's also totally offensive, uh, being that it's in a church. But even in a more appropriate forum, I don't see anything impressive. Do you? Take a look at this. Sorry, but this is not good dancing by anybody. I mean, the kid's kind of moving, but is it is it worthy of money? And I just I don't get it. Next clip. This is just bad performing. Oh, this is uh, what's his name? Uh, Desmond is amazing. This uh, they try to make this kid into something. Uh, I don't get it. Desmond's not amazing. Desmond is lazy, just sauntered in and dropped to the floor. No juggling, doesn't play an instrument, didn't tell any jokes. I've seen America's Got Talent. America has talent. These folks are not talented, especially the ones they highlight all the time. And what is it with Drag Queen Story Hour? I don't want to hang around with kids and read books. I'm too busy. I'm sorry. And by the way, don't we have, uh, uh, what, what do we call them? Teachers. We've got teachers for this. What's up with this? I think there's something very sinister going on. Obviously, you can call it grooming. You can call it whatever you want. This is not right. Leave it to regular, normal teachers to do the teaching. All right. Now, this is... Uh, Sean King, 
He's a Black Lives Matter activist, sometimes journalist. Take a look at him again. Uh, there are a lot of people out here who <laughs> think he's actually white, not black. I'm not taking a position on that, but there are a lot of folks who think he's not black. Anyway, he writes uh, provocative things online, sometimes in the newspaper. He's big Black Lives Matter. So he said he needed a dog for his security, and he got one, this little guy. All right, that's fine. However, the dog actually costs, this is some fancy dog. He spent $40,000 on it from some uh, political action committee. Uh, it wasn't his money. And he bought this fancy dog for 40000 He couldn't go to the pound. He couldn't go to the store. I mean, uh, the pound, the store charges. You can get these dogs for a $25 donation. $40,000. These guys are scammers, so many of them. Now, he knows this is a bad situation. He tried to defend himself online in the most self-righteous way imaginable. I have to say some things that I've worked hard to keep private for the safety and security of my family. Our family not only needs a guard dog at home, but 24-7 security wherever we go. Who was he, the president? Next, uh, white, supp oh, yeah, white supremacists and people who've met my family arm have now shown up to our last three homes multiple times. Really? Really? Before you talk about how I should defend myself with guns, New York City won't even allow me to have a gun. Well, they, I think they just changed the law, by the way. New Jersey doesn't have stand-your-ground laws and hardly allows you to even own guns. Uh, is there one more? Oh, yeah. When you see reports about the money it costs to keep me and my family safe, it's nowhere near enough. Not at all. Not even close. Sean, most people don't know who you are. I think you're taking this all about. Oh, I know he's taking it super seriously. Listen to this. He's getting vaguely threatening, not even vaguely. When you attack me publicly, spreading misinformation about me and my family and causing us to be unsafe, I will return all of that back to you. When you show people where I live, knowing good and well that it's going to cause white supremacists to show up at my house. When you do that, I will return it back to you. This is the game you introduced. You started this. I don't know you. Never knew you, never heard of you. But you have caused pain and misery and disruption in my family. And I have to return that back to your family. Oh, man, he sounds really mad and creepy. Is he talking about, I don't want anything bad to happen to this guy, but maybe uh, I think I'm going to have to get one of those uh, $40,000 security dogs, maybe. I'm not spending that kind of money. Yikes. All right. Also this. Hey, January 6th was not a good day. Nobody says it was. I do think it's been totally overblown, and we don't know. We don't know the half of it, what really happened that day. And so many folks were let inside by the police. We don't know why that happened. We want to know. We have our theories, but so many questions. That was one day, though. Black Lives Matter summer, uh, well, months and months and months. And these kinds of protests really persist because this is an ongoing struggle, right, for uh, racial and social justice. All right. Keep that in mind. One day versus months and months and months and months and months ongoing. Who do you think is responsible? Now, they say that Trump is responsible for January 6th based on his his rhetoric. Now, I do not accept that. But how about what the Democrats always say about this country? Listen for a moment about 
how terrible a place this is, according to them. We've seen with horrifying clarity the cost of systemic racism. We have a system that is built on systemic racism, and we have to dismantle that system piece by piece. Racism is systemic. It is structural. It is pervasive. Racism in America is endemic. It is foundational. America has a long history of systemic racism. The battle to achieve racial justice and root out systemic racism in this country. All right. You got it. Systemically racist country, according to Democrats. <laughs> that's a that's a bad place. I wouldn't want to. Uh, I never would have joined the military to defend a systemically racist country. No way. And what else do they say? What do they want people to do about this systemically racist country? I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. You've got to be ready to throw a punch. You have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take them out now. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Please. Get up in the face of some Congress people. People will do what they do. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. We're going to go in there, we're going to... This is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. And for those of you who are soldiers, make them pay. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, enough, Mike enough, Pence, or Jeff enough, Sessions, enough, who would it be? Enough, 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 enough. That's really bad. That's really bad. You see how horrible they think America is, and then they, they flirt with violence like this. I see a very strong connection with their rhetoric and all of this stuff. I mean, talk about logical, right? It just fits. It totally fits. It totally makes sense. Now... They say Donald Trump's rhetoric led to January 6th. Let's hear some of his rhetoric. As far as the ballots are concerned, it's a disaster. A solicited ballot, okay, solicited is okay. You're soliciting, you're asking, they send it back, you send it back. I did that. If you have an unsolicited, they're sending millions of ballots all over the country. There's fraud. They found them in creeks. They found some with the name Trump, just happened to have the name Trump just the other day in a waste paper basket. They're being sent all over the place. They sent two in a Democrat area. They sent out a thousand ballots. Everybody got two ballots. This is going to be a fraud like you've never seen. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. If you count the votes that came in late, we're looking at them very strongly. But a lot of votes came in late. This is a case where they're trying to steal an election. They're trying to rig an election. And we can't let that happen. This election was a fraud. 
Okay, and he said that over months and months and months, but you know, and by the way, <laughs> I think there's a lot of merit to what he's saying. I do. But um, January 6th happened in January, one day, January 6th. He was saying things like that for, well, for many months. There was no, and when Democrats were saying it was happening throughout, and they were saying things that made matters worse. Uh, it's all, It's all coming together, isn't it? A bit, right? All right, stay with us. We have a, an author who is totally turning the mainstream media's narrative on its head about who's really at risk in America. Be right back. Racism is extremely pervasive in America's police departments, and people need to acknowledge that. We have to admit that this criminal justice system is racist and go from there. It's time to, to address systemic racism in this country, racism, racism in policing. Black people have been routinely and continually subject to inequity and injustice and systemic racism in the policing system of this country. Well, they're totally convinced, aren't they? But I believe they're totally wrong. Raphael Manguel is our guest. He is a crime researcher at the Manhattan Institute and author of the new book, Criminal Injustice, What the Push for Decarceration and Depolicing Gets Wrong and Who It Hurts Most. Raphael, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Congratulations on the book. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me on the show. It's interesting, that narrative, we all heard it. We hear it again and again and again. Almost everybody believes it if they don't apply too much thought. Can you put it in real terms for us, what's really happening? Yeah, well, what's really happening is that there is an outsized focus on disparities with respect to enforcement statistics. This is what we're all told uh, to believe is prima facie evidence of racism in the criminal justice system. Disparities, i.e. overrepresentation of blacks and Latinos in arrest statistics, in incarceration statistics, in use of force statistics. What they don't tell you is that there's another side to that ledger. And a lot of that overrepresentation in enforcement statistics is a function of where police spend their time, which in turn is a function of crime. And if you want police, like I do, to be responsive to the communities where victimization risks are the highest, then they're going to spend a lot of their time in lower income minority neighborhoods because that's where the crime victims are. In New York City, every single year for which we have data, the NYPD reports a minimum of 95% of all shooting victims are either black or Hispanic, almost all of them male. And the perpetration stats mirror those. And so, if, again, if, if police are going to respond, then that means they're going to produce disparities in who they have contact with because that's where they're deploying their resources. Now, what, what gets left out of the conversation, what frustrates me to no end, is that arrest statistic is not the only... Uh, and stop statistics, that those aren't the only outputs of the criminal justice system. The criminal justice system also very regularly produces crime decline. And when it does that, who benefits? It's not rich white people, I can tell you that. If you look at 1990 to 2014, the crime decline in the form of homicides added a full year of life expectancy to the average black man in this country. It added just 0.14 years to the life expectancy of white men. And so I ask you, if, in fact, the criminal justice system is designed and operated to the detriment of the black community, why is it that when it achieves its stated end, as stated by the people at the system's helm, it so, it so disparately benefits those exact communities that people say the system is designed to hurt? You it know, doesn't make sense. Understood. And even if you didn't have the statistics that you just presented, 
if you just give it a little thought, if you believe their rhetoric, you would have to think that police are picking on people because they don't like the way they look, picking on them because, well, uh, yeah, because of racial animus. And that is one hell, that would be one hell of a statement. Especially in in a lot of American cities in which you find that significant portions, if not majorities, of the police department are actually constituted by minorities themselves. The NYPD is a majority-minority department. The Chicago Police Department, a majority-minority department, or close to it. Uh, LAPD, Miami PD. You you see this developing around the country. We were all told that we needed that representation uh, for uh, uh, us to have more equity in terms of policing outcomes. Well, we have that representation now, and the rhetoric doesn't actually reflect those changes at all. And we see that the rhetoric doesn't reflect improvements in policing across the board. Right? If you look at use of force in 1971, which is the first year the NYPD kept count, they shot 220-some-odd people. Now they discharge their firearms maybe a couple dozen times a year. That's a massive improvement, but one that you don't see reflected at all in critic and uh, uh, how they talk about police. Your book available now, Criminal Injustice, What the Push for Decarceration and Depolicing Gets Wrong and Who It Hurts Most, available wherever books are sold. Let me ask you this, and do you address this in the book? You know, the far left, they'll say, well, okay, uh, you're right on the statistics, you're right about the crime reports, but they'll go deeper and they say, well, uh, there's crime there because of systemic racism, because of the uh, slavery and the aftermath of you know, hundreds of years of uh, oppression. Do you address that? And do you have thoughts on that? I do have thoughts on that. And I think it's an absolute insult to the vast majority of people living in those communities who are good, law-abiding citizens, who don't make the excuse that they go out and rob and rape and shoot and kill by virtue of some injustice that happened several hundred years ago. It doesn't actually hold water when you examine that argument. The other argument that you hear a lot of is that, well, it's not you know, uh, uh, a racial animus, perhaps, but it's systemic racism that comes in the form of disparities in terms of poverty rates or education spending or unemployment or economic inequality. But what we see when we look at the data over time is that there isn't a constant relationship between those socioeconomic measures and violent crime. You don't get richer when you shoot somebody over a beef. That doesn't improve your economic output, right? And what we see is if you look at just, again, just New York City, our home city, 1989, the year before we peaked in homicides, we had 2,262 homicides in 1990. Compare that year's poverty rate to 2016, which is the year before we hit our valley of 292 homicides. What you'll see is that the poverty rate in 1989 was actually slightly better than it was in 2016. So we know that we don't have to fix these, quote unquote, systemic problems to give these community members the safety that they so desperately deserve. An important book and very compelling ideas. Uh, let's put it up on the screen one more time. The name of the book is Criminal Injustice, What the Push for Decarceration and Depolicing Gets Wrong and Who It Hurts Most. Rafael Mangual, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Really right. appreciate it. You bet. We'll be right back. All right, this is the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center in Seattle. They go by Fred Hutch. It's very prestigious. They're integrated with the University of Washington's cancer program. Cancer is a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, but if you want to work there, and they do good work, but will it decline if they have requirements like this uh, for prospective candidates? Look at this. Their own requirement is this. Fred Hutch requires all candidates advancing to finalist stage to submit a statement 
of the commitment and contributions to diversity and inclusion and equity, DEI, they have made in their careers. This is woke beyond belief. Ari Hoffman is a writer for the Post Millennial. He's also a host at Talk Radio 570 AM KVI in Seattle. He brought this story to the world's attention in the Post Millennial. Scientists must prove they are anti-racist to get cancer research positions. Uh, Ari, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. You bet. And by the way, can you do me a favor, spell out anti-racist, you know, to a lot of people, hey, that sounds great. I mean, I hate racism, but anti-racist is not what they think. It's a little bit warped and kind of weird and crazy. What is an anti-racist? Well, an anti-racist, according to them, is somebody who has to do a land acknowledgement anytime they have a hockey game. Here, if you go to a Kraken game of the new hockey team, in their arena, they love talking about the beginning of the game. We must recognize that we are on the land owned by the Coast Salish tribe. And I say, if you feel that strongly about it, why don't you guys give them a hockey stadium? I'm sure the tribe would appreciate that. Give them a hockey team. Give them all the revenue from that if you feel that strongly about it. You also have to discuss microaggressions. You must recognize chronic societal inequities such as income inequality, gentrification, and poverty. And essentially what this means is everything in the woke brigade that they want you to recognize, you have to recognize. And if you're a cancer researcher, you've probably been focused on, I don't know, uh, white cells and red blood cells and, you know, all the stuff that those guys do. And it's very important work. You don't have time. You don't have the bandwidth to focus on all this stuff. And I'm worried that the quality of their work will decline if they got to jump through these hoops. Well, here's something else. I know you're just like me. I don't care what color my doctor is. I don't care what race they are. I don't care what religion they are. I care if they went to a good medical school. I care if they know what they are doing. I do not care about their diversity statement. And the fact that they have these candidates filling these out as a prerequisite to get hired is ridiculous. This guy, Dr. Paul Buckley, who's the one behind this mess over at the Hutch, as we call it, he's not actually a doctor. Oh, I should rephrase that. He's as much as a doctor as Dr. Jill Biden. He never went to <laughs> medical school. He's got a degree, a PhD in education. I would rather these guys have medical degrees plus something else. The money that all these people are do donating to this cancer research facility, they have grants that they're giving out for $5,000 for art that goes along with this diversity, equity, and inclusion. So these people who think their money's going to cancer research, it's going to this art program. These, That's not helping it. These slides that you've uncovered, these are these are their internal documents and instruction for folks and how to uh, how to process uh, incoming employees and recommendations for incoming employees, right? Yes. It's also a mandatory training they're now going to have to go through. They had the Zoom meeting with Dr. Buckley where they discussed this training they're now going to have to go through, and employees aren't happy about it. They now have all these prerequisites to their own employment that they didn't have to do before. All right. I want to go down to full screen excerpt one from the Fred Hutch Review, and it reads as follows. At Fred Hutch, I understand the focus is on inclusivity and mitigating bias which includes understanding and appropriately addressing microaggressions. Now, this is a major red flag. I don't know if some people find this benign, but addressing microaggressions. First, you have, a debate, have to have a debate about what they are, right? And <laughs> there's no science behind that. It means different things to different people. This is really going get to get in the way of their very important work. 
right? Let's say, God forbid, I'm in there for treatment, right? And I have to go in there and they're putting me under or something. And I say, hey, guys, thanks a lot for helping me out. Are the women there now going to be offended that I microaggress them by using the word guys as opposed to their preferred pronouns? And they have a whole <laughs> section of their website that's dedicated to this. Well, that's uh, I'm glad you brought this uh, to the world's attention. Fred Hutch, you guys do good work. Don't go down this crazy woke road. Uh, Ari Hoffman, we appreciate it. Uh, check him out on, on Twitter. Oh, interesting uh, handle you got there. At the Hoff Father, right? At that's the- right. All right. Uh, well, you'll, you'll tell us why that's your Twitter handle next time. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. the go and need news now no paywalls no cable subscriptions just download the newsmax app from your smartphone store it's free and watch newsmax tv anytime anywhere hey thank you very very much we'll see you tomorrow we appreciate it